This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake them ropes. Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino. We're going to give you an Elimination Chamber preview this week. Go through all the hits and misses of WWE television. Uh, first, we're going to start with a little AEW. I have, I have made an editorial decision here. Uh, we kind of ended last week's show with the on a cliffhanger. Terrible tat- well, with the terrible tattoos of one Jack Gallagher. Uh, Chris, give me 45 minutes on how bad Cody Rhodes' tattoo is. <laughs> His tattoo is not good either, especially when his look is the very dapper peacoat look. The tattoo is just so jarring. It's, look, I know a lot of people have made a lot of comments over this, and if you followed my Twitter watching watching Revolution, which is a very good pay-per-view, if you are not inclined to give AEW a chance because you are a WWE homer, uh, you should watch this pay-per-view. Uh, most of it is quite, quite good. But he comes out. He has movie star good looks. I was worried when he did that dive on the stage that first time when he cut himself open and got that bad scar. I'm like, oh, man, if he wants to do TV and movies, it's going to be, you know, you don't want to you don't want to blade up your face necessarily. So that's a bad thing. He has guest starred on a national television show. He was a villain of the week on Arrow. It's he has these good looks. He comes out with this giant thing on his neck, and it's not even. It's not just the placement. It's the fact that it's one of these neck tattoos. There's no way you can cover it up with a with a collar unless you're wearing a turtleneck. I heard a weird defense, Jeff, that that is the point. But your point about how it makes it near impossible to do acting without any additional planning. Like, they're going to actually have to cover up his neck and make it look flesh tone if they want to use him on screen. And that's going to be a discouraging factor for any future TV or movies for Cody. Well, not just that. This is a man in his 30s. This isn't a 20-year-old kid. This is a man in his 30s who is the executive vice president. He goes to business meetings. He, you know, we've seen these types of things where, where we see him in, in the dapper suit going to meetings, even, even if they are just skits, even if they are just for the camera. But you know that he's in on some of these things because this is his baby. And look, I just, I'm, I just cannot fathom this decision i mean you can wear all the scarves you want from now on the the scarves gonna just be covering up you know most of the tattoo i i just could not again i am mostly anti-tattoo anyways unless you're in certain lines of work where you need to look tougher and if he never wants to act again that's fine but I don't think he never wants to act again, and that, to me, is the argument against the neck tattoo. In the business he's in, having a tattoo one way or another, I get what you're saying in terms of business. It's not a great look to go into a business meeting with this giant tattoo on your neck, but he's also a wrestler, and so I think it flies a little bit more than the practical application of 
covering up this tattoo for the purposes of a movie or a television show. That's going to be a real pain in the ass. Like when Ben Affleck got that back tattoo of the dragon, when it was heavily, dra- I don't know if you've seen this or not, but but in his mid to late 40s, he, he, he got his back all tatted up. And, so, and it just screamed midlife crisis. And I get that. I, I, I get the whole... You know, because people out here are hanging on to your youth and whatnot. You know, okay, I'm going to. And he's, you know, this is when he was heavy into alcohol and stuff like that. This is, this was a sober decision from everything I saw. And all I could think of was his old man, Dusty. I forget. It was Great American Bash. I want to say 86 or 87, where he's fighting Tully, I believe, in the first blood match. And he shaves his sideburns and writes Tully in black marker. Um, except on the opposite side, he does it the opposite way. So it's like a mirror and it's utterly ridiculous, but that came off. I mean, I was hoping this was a temporary thing when he put it on, you know, just a, Ooh, I, you know, I've toughened up for this match. And then after this, this thing will come off. This thing ain't never coming off. And it's a red, white, and blue catastrophe in my opinion. Yes. It's very strongly colored. It's going to be very hard to undo if he wants to do it. That said, you did not see Revolution, true? True. Okay. Uh, so that kind of uh, that undercuts one of the po- questions I wanted to bring up, but uh, I'll bring it up for people who listened. Um, well, ask yourself the question. How about that? <laughs> was Okay. Here we go. Was Hangman Omega versus the Young Bucks the greatest tag team match in history? I'm going to say... I don't rank matches as the best in history. I have a lot that I really, really like. Um, Dave Meltzer, noted wrestling opinion and journalist, uh, writer, guy, thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I've heard of Dave Meltzer. <laughs> Dave Meltzer yeah, no, he's doing good work. He has gone on record, and he's given this the, the magical six-star rating, saying it's the best tag match he's ever seen. He compared it to um, Atawe Kawada match from 95 new japan but also the uh the worldwide match that went a full episode um i believe it was 88 or 87 between the fantastics and the midnight express um that is well worth seeking out because i sent to chris maybe i'll link it in the show description um i love that match as well i liked the match a lot i thought it was a very clever match in terms of its callbacks I just think he's a prisoner of recency and especially with Kenny Omega involved. I, I have, I think he gets a little fanboyish with Ken, Kenny Omega. Let's put it that way. He has his biases and he's, he's welcome to them. I do not argue. If you think this is the greatest tag team match in history, I will not go that far. I'm just not there yet. I didn't, I didn't finish this match and go. Yeah. That's one of the best matches I've ever, ever seen. So I will say this is a general proviso because you kind of went where I go. Whenever I hear this is a six star match is tap the brakes, wait a couple of weeks, Mm -hmm. see how you feel about the match two weeks after the match. So you still remember that fresh after the match buzz, but the, Immediate afterglow and the impulse to have the hot take has worn off. I think part of the problem with a lot of star rating systems here over the last decade, it's so crazy that I can now say that I've been watching people rate stuff for a decade here, but but it's become a need to not get it out the next day, but to get it out 
right after the match. Was that a four-star or a five-star match? And I think what that does is it incentivizes people to overrate matches because overrating a match makes it seem as though you have a stronger opinion about the match. If the match is just three and a half stars or two and a half stars, if you're using that as your actual middle, then that sort of implies that you don't have a strong opinion about the match. Whereas if you rate it a zero or a five, you think that you have a, it makes it seem like you have a very strong and thus more formed opinion because it's more polarized. And that's why what you've seen is star creep where now we're into, Oh, it's a six star match. It's a seven star match. And it's going to keep moving that way. It's great inflation. It's great inflation. It's great inflation. Exactly. You know, when you used to have AP classes, you know, and you had a few of them and they were worth, I believe they were worth 4.5 in your GPA, or maybe they were five. I can't remember. I was in high school a long time ago. Well, and I'll say it started with the gentleman's three, right? Like that became kind of a thing online. Yeah. You give them the gentleman's three with two and a half should be the midpoint. If it was an okay match, not good, not bad, it should be two and a half. But you started to see that star creep because no one wants to be rude. So that also pushes up the star ratings. And to your point, great inflation occurs. Yeah, no, I remember when Rob and I went to Rumble a couple years ago and we watched, uh, it was uh, Andrade and Gargano was the main event. And we came out of there going, I think that's the best match I've ever seen live. And then when we got to the end of the year, what's your match of the year? And we're like, hey, remember when Gargano and Andrade had that great match and nobody could remember it after that because there were so many great matches throughout the year? It's become a bit like that. Um, I will also say the nature of the state of wrestling mm -hmm. has changed. Um, The style of matches has changed. There have been more good matches in the last seven to eight years than in the four to five years that preceded that between 2008 and 2012, a little bit of a dry period as compared to 2012 to 2016, let's say. Um, and I think that also led to a little bit of the star inflation. Well, you also have just a change in how wrestling is uh, analyzed, I would guess, uh, Wrestling has now taken on very much the ESPN type of mode where you have a lot of a lot of people giving takes and opinions, some of them more charactery than others. I'll 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 go nicely on that. Mostly to get listens, mostly to get traction on Twitter. But you know, we have, you know, wrestling has its Skip Baylesses. Wrestling has its Stephen A. Smiths. You know, but wrestling also has its, you know, Kornheisers and Wilbons and, and, you know, people who are a little bit more uh, measured in their takes as well. So I think there's, I think there's a lot of that involved as well. You know, this, this site says it's a four and a half. This site says it's 4.75 stars. Where do you fall on this caller? <laughs> Chris from Dallas. Oh, I think it's I think it's kind of at a four point six eight. Okay, thank you. Oh yeah, Jeff, great to be on Shake Them Robes. <laughs> Long time, first time here. Uh, yeah, I gotta say uh, that website that's at four and a half stars really out to launch. Love the show. I'll, I'm gonna shut up and listen now. And now give some tag phrase. For, hey, can you do that Alexa Bliss impression you used to do back in the day? Sure, sure, I can. Can you can you get the note to say whistle wassa woozle? I love that. <laughs> Baba buoy to you all. Um, the one thing on, on the pay-per-view itself that just gave me such joy pack versus orange Cassidy and listening to both JR and Tony Schiavone 
absolutely have a come to Jesus moment with Orange Cassidy. These two were like children watching wrestling again when he stopped being the uh, the sloth like Orange Cassidy and became an actual wrestler trying to win this match. You could not get the joy out of Tony Schiavone's voice. And he's dragging Jr. along with him because Jr. at this point in the show is a little tired, I think. Um, <laughs> but but it's absolutely great listening to Tony Schiavone find his joy for wrestling again. And that, that was my favorite part of the pay-per-view. I think Orange Cassidy, once he gets out of the sloth, lazy man gimmick, it's fun, dude. He's a good wrestler. I I think that using the sloth, lazy man gimmick to get under Pac's skin is a really good deployal of that because Pac takes everything so seriously and having Cassidy seemingly phoning it in and then dialing it up to another notch. I think that's a good way to kind of be an alternate energy to what Pac's throwing out there. It's weird that I've started this with AEW because I was using AEW. I was going to use AEW as kind of a bludgeon against WWE because they did some. Well, it's the better show of the two (laughs) this week for sure. But there was one thing they did this week that WWE has tried three different times, four different times and could never do. And it's driven me nuts. And AEW got right on the first time. Chris, I was able to hear a Jake the Snake Roberts promo clearly and mic'd up. Uh, even with Jake Roberts's raspy, airy, hey, uh, I talk a bit like this kind of voice. WWE could never get the volume right. He always sounded soft in an arena. This this promo Jake did was fantastic. And also, I was able to hear it. So the trick with miking up Jake, if I can get all engineering, Please is do. using the right compressor. So the way a compressor works, boys and girls, is it makes lower sounds more loud and higher sounds less loud. So when you're setting up your compressor, you want to make sure that the ceiling, the threshold on your compressor is not too low. Otherwise, you'll get this like squishy effect. But where a compressor is very, very useful, um, and actually where it was pioneered was on the phone. Back in the day, early days of the telephone, you'd have this issue where some people were too quiet and some people were too loud. So they created compression technology to bring up the volume on the low calls and to also bring down the volume on the high calls. That's also why when someone's screaming at you on the phone, it doesn't get louder beyond a certain point. It just starts clipping and fuzzing out. That's compression. Similarly, with someone like Jake Roberts' voice, which has gotten very airy over the years, you'd want to use compression to help bring up that voice. You'd also want to use a little bit of gain, too, to help give a little bit more of a floor so it would just be basically louder. But the compressor will actually bring up the voice. And if you have the right type of microphone, it won't pick up too much of the crowd noise. It'll be localized onto just where his voices so long as jake holds that microphone pretty close to his mouth and to the side he won't get any pee popping and you'll also be able to hear him talk yeah i'm not exactly sold on the aew style of old wrestler comes in who hated dusty Rhodes, bringing in new wrestler with him and will always be his manager i i think it's becoming a little bit of a trope trope. yes exactly with Tully and Sean Spears, I very much feel like, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'm so angry about that. If you that. want to have all of the <laughs> dusty villains of 
yesteryear kind of coming together. Like, have Tully and Jake and Arn all scheming against Cody. I'm good with that. There we that I mean that's what I want AE to, that that story to become is all these guys with with beefs against Cody's old man come in now that Cody has all this money and they're just gonna try they and can't take away settle from the it. score with Dusty yeah so they're settling the score with Cody but they're all in league with one another it's not just you know Tully's yes. like because because God knows Tully Blanchard to me is a better talker than Arn Anderson is at this point. And I would put him with the revival and I'd have him dump Sean Spears and maybe have Spears and Cody go against the revival. If I had my druthers, Jake at this point is either bringing in uh, the former Luke Harper or Lance Archer or possibly both. Um, But I'm thinking that's the direction they're going to introduce the guy, but it's just one of those things where it's like, okay. And then what next week, Abdullah, the butcher is going to come in and bring somebody in or, you know, baby dolls going to bring somebody in. I, I, it's one of those things where I appreciate their love of history. I just don't think every, and I want the history there. I just think that these three guys need to be bunched together and that the sum is going to be more than the individual parts. Because with Arn, you still got the love for Arn. People love Arn. He can still do a few things, but he does have some issues talking, obviously. Jake, I think less is more with him. I like him talking, but it did feel like he was out there a little too long, talking just a little bit too long. He didn't have enough lines to get all the way through the amount of time that he was there for. Um, And with Tully, I like him, but once you see all three of these guys boom, boom, boom in a night, you're like, all right, yes, we do this on AEW. I I just think pairing them all together, that would make the difference. Is their presence overshadowing the guy that they're managing, or are they serving the role as the manager? That's that's the big question here that I don't think a lot of people get. Like, to me right now, Arn Anderson is Jose Lothario with – with with HBK in that babyface run where it's I mean and I think this is going to be Jake eventually too because I don't think Jake plays a great manager I think Jake's a great presence he's a great you know occasional guy who's out there who might be you know scheming but as a week to week manager I just I just don't see it with him um Right, and that's why I'm pushing to bundle them. So one week you have Tully, the next week you have Jake, and I that way you don't overexpose any one of those yeah, guys. Yeah, and maybe they're all in the the Legion of Doom, and they all come together, and Paul rings ahead. No, of it. that's exactly what I'm calling for. I, I'm totally on board with that. I, I want these old guys to all be in league and scheming and using their minds to try to thwart the young baby we're the, face the we they hate, can't use their bodies we're anymore. We're the We Hate Dusty Club, and then Ole Anderson comes out. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, Cody wants to tell these stories. So tell these stories. Tell your dad's stories. Do it in a comic book style. That is a very Cody Rhodes sort of thing. I'm on board with that. What would you think about Ambrose? I love Ambrose as champion. I think that that's the right choice. I wasn't sure if it the right time was to take off the, the title off of Jericho. I got to be honest with you. I think Jericho hasn't hit his apex yet. And I don't think Moxley has been ramped up to the point where, God, we got to put the belt on that. We got to put the belt on him now or else we're losing business and we're burning money. That's when I think the time is to make title changes, not just. I think that Moxley 
gets people to change the channel over to AEW more yes. because you want to see what Dean Ambrose is up to versus you want to see what Chris Jericho is up to. I would to. agree. I, I would definitely agree. He's a guy that you go, man, he was so misused, and now he's awesome, and I want to see what he does Nobody next. feels like Chris Jericho was misused on WWE because he's had so many good runs, and he's had a lot of creative control through his runs, and he's also had really good runs at the top. So, yeah, you can see that miscarriage of justice, that wrong righted over on AEW now on Wednesday nights, and if NXT is turning in a subpar show, I think it makes you more likely to to flip over to see what Dean Ambrose is up to versus what the Dark Order is up to. Although I will admit, of course, that Judas is very over as a song. I think also, if Jericho's going to keep being heel, what he needs to do is take Judas away from the crowd uh, so that they're not allowed to sing you know, it. At, at the pay-per-view, I don't know if you saw this, but the woman who did the acapella version on Twitter had a had a gospel choir singing Judas, and it was awesome. And it was such a baby face move, even though he's the biggest heel. Either that or Hager needs to betray Jericho and Jericho needs to be made a baby face in the build to Hager going up against Dean Ambrose. Like Hager needs to defect from the Dark Order to get his title shot against Ambrose and just turn Jericho and break him away from the Dark Order. Yeah, I, I would think I would I was thinking maybe even replace Hager with Lance Ar- Archer, but that's me. Um, I, the thing is, the song is really over, and I don't think they should move away from this great sing along moment. But it affects Jericho's ability to be a heel, and people try to turn the corner and make sure that the audience gets back around to treating him like a heel, and they do try to boo it down. But the chants and the singing still persist because it's a catchy song and people like it. And also, AEW uses a lot of kind of generic-sounding production music. The thing I was struck by, Dean Ambrose super over when he's coming out, but his theme's kind of nondescript. And then here comes Jericho's theme, and it's like an anthem. See, to me, the thing to do, possibly, possibly, and it, it, it is to have the generational rift in the inner circle, eventually undo both Jericho and Hager. And you have Ortiz and uh, Santana and Guevara go, look, you guys are old. We found somebody younger and new to bring in. They bring in someone like Adam Page to lead the inner circle, and they boot Jericho out of his own club. And that's how you how you get rid of that problem. But, uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of interesting things. The... Uh, the triangle of death or the death triangle. We're, we're starting to kind of get into the uh, Russo era faction war stuff a little bit. I like Pac, though, yeah. paired with the Lucha yeah. Brothers. You know they're going to turn in some good matches yeah. and they're going to have some really great trio spots. Yeah, AEW is a lot of fun right now. I like QT Marshall, too. I think QT Marshall is perfectly cast. No, he works the right style and has the right look for the type of character that he is playing. I love his controlled, it his controlled idiocy, if I could use that word. Like, he doesn't, he's not supposed to be doing topes and dives, but he does them and they're sloppy, but for that character, it works. It works perfectly. No, there's a degree of 
haplessness and seeming incompetence that is actually quite tricky to pull off mannerisms wise and QT Marshall does a really it's, good job it's what they this. wanted the Jesse character in NXT to be I don't know if you remember Jessica Alaba in her she's had a couple of matches here and there on the on the main show and uh she's in the May Young Classic but uh they made her this kind of dorky character, but she, she has some athletic prowess, but she's also very clumsy at the same time. And and so they made it part of the character in terms of, I'll just throw myself at that person and see what happens kind of thing. Uh, Ahmed Johnson only dialed down and a little more o- safe. Only self-aware. Ahmed Johnson wasn't self-aware. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what made Ahmed Johnson so great. Oh, so don't ever. No, no, Chris. No. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No. <laughs> Oh, this is this is your worst. Take. This is this is the Rob McCarran, Tino Sabatelli take. This is he's a horrible human being. <laughs> but but in terms of in terms of as a wrestler, he was a massive human being with no regard for his body at all or anyone else's. So Elimination Chamber is happening on Sunday, uh, either today or tomorrow, depending on when this drops. And. It's going to be interesting because this card is nothing on paper for the most part, but there might be changes afoot in the WrestleMania card um, that could be affected by this. We'll get to a preview in a moment. Uh, The main three WWE shows, Raw, SmackDown, and NXT this week, I would call a 50% solution. There were things on these shows that were absolutely fantastic. And sometimes even within the same segment, there'd be things in here that were just the worst instincts of WWE booking or execution that you could think of. I'll I'll give you the example. I loved the Tegan Knox Dakota Kai cage match. I actually liked the idea of pinning Tegan Knox against the cage door so she couldn't fall. The execution of that was ridiculous. <laughs> it was she was waiting and then she was holding on instead of dropping down. And you just go, eh, it doesn't resonate now because because uh, they were waiting for this spot. If it was really organic and Reina Gonzalez sort of dived and made this super yeah. clutch save to get the win for Dakota Kai, kind of saving her from defeat. And there was this real like bang bang sort of play moment feel to it i think it would have worked but it gave stupid baby face syndrome to tegan uh-huh. knox because she had to kind of walk herself right into it yeah no i i enjoy this feud it's just their things I, okay the street profits are your new raw tag team champions great hot match they had set the stipulation because they had lost on thursday in saudi arabia that it, that they could have this match, but if they lost, they'd never get a shot at the tag titles. So you know they're probably going to be putting the tag titles on them. Instead of winning clean, they won because Kevin Owens came in at, during a distraction and stunned Seth. Now, I am split on this. I don't mind the occasional babyface interference to screw the heels. But when you have interference every week and across all three brands... And when baby faces are doing this constantly, see Candice LeRae in the Tegan Knox feud that we're talking about. It loses its luster and it does nothing for the people who won the match. Like to me, the, the, the Street Profits having their big emotional moment doesn't matter after that because who cares really? 
And they had a hell of a match with Murphy and uh, and Seth. Right. It's a tainted victory. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I, it's silly to have Owens come down and do that and then celebrate like you did it all by your own. That's actually something that a heel does. A heel does that on a tainted victory. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a great tag match on Raw. Rey Mysterio and Humberto Carrillo versus Andrade and Angel Garza. But why should anybody care? I mean, it really, it's it's one of those things where are, we're trying to heat up this feud again for the U.S. title. We're trying to heat up things here. But every guy on here has been beaten down to the point where, you know, who cares anymore? You know, you, you'd enjoy this. Oh, one. yeah. This was straight out of 96 Nitro opening hour. Luchadors. I think Ray still has a lot to offer. Interestingly enough, now as a talking type character and also as a tag team guy, he still can, you can protect him and he can still do what he needs to do and be really interesting and kind of create the illusion of being the younger Rey Mysterio that people are coming to see. I think that the tag team is a really good venue. It's just, I've seen Andrade and Humberto Carrillo and Angel Garza and Rey Mysterio at this point in like every possible combination, it feels like. Did you see anything from Raw? Did you see the Orton segment with Beth Phoenix? I did not see the Orton okay. segment with Beth Phoenix. However, Morrow told me on NXT <laughs> that the scurrilous Randy Orton did hurt. I can't even do a good Morrow. The horrible Randy hey, Orton. Hey, plus one to them for continuity. Beth. There was continuity this week on, on a couple of shows. They, they put Beth out because she got RKO'd by Randy after standing in that ring way too long, in my opinion. Uh, Bray Wyatt is attacking John Cena because of the WrestleMania loss from six years ago. Which is great. I'm fine with. They brought that up. They had rest. What's the rabbit's name? The puppet, uh, Ramblin' Rabbit. Rabbit had this long dissertation on how the the and I and with a flashback of how the match at WrestleMania versus versus John Cena for Bray Wyatt took him on this took him on this path to be the fiend. I was like, that's actually quite good. I like that. Please. Bray Wyatt has always wanted to do storylines that are connected to past events. And there have been multiple times where turns and beats have had allusions to things that have happened in the past. But because WWE week-to-week writing is what it is, they can't kind of keep the thread on it. But you keep seeing that instinct bubbling up from Bray Wyatt when he's trying to write these segments. Um, you know, the, the second hour of SmackDown this week was the worst way to build. Uh, I mean, it's the, the stipulation was fine, but you're going to have six tag teams in an elimination chamber match. I don't want to see a gauntlet match with all six teams in it wrestling for an hour when I'm going to be watching them wrestle for an hour, two days later. Now, the good part of this was they told a hell of a story, Chris. They, they, they built up heavy machinery better than they have this entire time on the roster. Tucker had cut a promo on, on the website, unfortunately. That was great after this. But basically, heavy machinery went through everybody except for Rude and Ziggler. And after getting their and and after every time they 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 snuck a win against a team, generally they'd get their asses beat. So people are and they're they're going in hard with Ziggler, 
and Mandy Rose. Uh, Ziegler having accompanied Fire and Desire down to the ring, and I believe Mandy Rose will eventually be coming down with Ziegler and Rude for Sunday, but it's just one of those things where it's like they did the same thing with the singles one on Raw a few, uh, like two years back where Seth Rollins wrestled for like 60 minutes in a row. It was a great match, but you're like, we're going to be watching all six of these teams um, two days from now. Why do we need to see them all against each other right now? I just didn't get that. I don't get that. That seems illogical. Here's a good way of thinking about it. If you didn't see that match last night and you're on Saturday now, would you go back and watch that match? Or would you just wait until Elimination Chamber? And I don't see a great reason to go and watch that match unless you just don't have much to watch on Saturday night. Uh, I'll give you the other matches from Raw, and then I'll go over to SmackDown, and I'll have you guess what happened here. Uh, Let's see. Oh, oh, I forgot. Drew McIntyre had a hell of a beatdown on Brock. That's another thing worth watching. Problem is, there's a rec- okay. there's a receipt coming, and <laughs> we don't know when that is. That's the, if they do it before WrestleMania, that's great. If they don't, it might be two minutes of of Brock suplexing Drew McIntyre one two three, and he's out of there. So we'll see what happens on that. But the uh, the beatdown Drew McIntyre gives Brock Lesnar during this show what was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Chris, we had a twenty four seven title match. Riddick Moss versus Ricochet. What do you think happened? I think Riddick Moss somehow managed to beat Ricochet mostly clean. Clean as a sheet. Clean as a sheet. Clean as a sheet. Oh, boy. Okay. Prince Puma, the the former Prince Puma. Uh, We had an Aleister Black match involving the OC. How do you think that went down? Aleister Black versus the OC. I think Aleister Black beat... Was it two or three members of the OC? Uh, I I was trying to get you to guess the stip, and I I couldn't word it without spoiling it. So what happened was Aleister Black beat Carl Anderson, then had to beat Luke Gallows, and then went up against AJ Styles. Okay, I see. It was funny because I was going to say if it was two of them, I was going to say he beat them, but he wasn't able to beat all three. That's funny. You would be correct. There we go. All right. Um, Liv Morgan took on Ruby Riot with special guest referee Sarah Logan. I think it is garbage that Liv Morgan has never really gotten her comeuppance on Lana. So this match was, what did you say, Liv Morgan versus <laughs> Ruby it's, Riot it's with special riot guest squad. referee. Okay, the Riot Squad with Logan as the referee. I am going to say Ruby Riot pins Liv Morgan because Logan turns on Ru- or on Liv Morgan. Uh, you are very close. Liv Morgan beat Ruby Riot by pinfall. Riot then got got revenge, and then Sarah Logan, of course, knees Riot in the face because oh, there are oh, no geez. friends in the Elimination Chamber. Oh, all three of them are going to square off, so this is this is a little three-way dance. I see. Asuka mm. could not, was not cleared to wrestle this week, so we got Shayna Baszler versus Kyrie Sane. I'm going to say, wait, wait, Kyrie Sane versus Shayna Baszler? Oh, because there are no friends in the Elimination Chamber. Kyrie Sane is not in the Elimination Chamber. Okay, so that doesn't even apply uh, because there are no friends in the Elimination Chamber. I'm trying to find a reason for this match. I'm going to say Shayna Baszler defeats Kyrie Sane relatively quickly. Yes, relatively quickly. NXT history totally glossed over. Kyrie Sane is basically a manager who acts like a cat now. 
That is. Fun. There are no friends there in the elimination no chamber. But, but that's because Oscar couldn't win. Uh, and then quickly, you have to have your head on a swivel. Yeah, I. Uh, you know, Apollo Cruz just got SD Jones against Sheamus. Uh, Lacey Evans and Naomi took on Bailey and Sasha Banks in a tag match. I'm going to say that the heels prevail over Lacey Evans. This and is Naomi. absolutely gobsmacking to me, Chris, because they reintroduced Lacey two weeks ago. The rumor was Naomi was going to be the mania match against Bailey. No, no longer than one week ago. And neither of these two can possibly face Bailey at WrestleMania. It has to be Sasha at this point. Has to be. Now, my question is, who's going to be the heel? Who's going to be the babyface? I guess you have to turn Sasha. And which way? Just have, uh, I guess you have to turn her face. I think so too. I think everybody's going. Well, this is what we can tell the uh, the Bailey Redemption story, where she was just a naive super fan. I'm like, no, 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 no. These are not the instincts of one Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon's going to go hard into the person who's completely miscast as a heel here. And Sasha This is Bay, also not the way to salvage this storyline. Kind of the right way to tell this story, you break her bad. She has to betray Sasha Banks and go super evil at this point. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go. There's nothing else on SmackDown. I thought for sure they're going to put the NWO over some people because they guest starred. Uh, do we want to do Elimination Chamber? Or do we want to do NXT? Let's do Elimination Chamber. Okay. Why not? They did set up a match here. It will probably be on the pre-show. So I will start out with that. Daniel Bryan is taking on Drew Gulak. The uh, We will see if Drew Gulak has amassed the weaknesses in Daniel Bryan's game. This segment last night was awesome. I, I howled at it because... They're both chewing scenery so much, and they're so great. I don't think this is going to be the match we want to see necessarily, but... uh... I hope it is the start of a continuation. I think what it will be is about seven to eight minutes and a really good and hot and spirited seven to eight minutes because these two guys are clearly really excited to work with each other. I am going to say it is going to be a fun match. I am going to say... Uh, probable no contest. I'm going to say Sheamus comes in here and they set up the mania match and he just kills both guys because they're making him into a killer on SmackDown. And I don't understand the reason. Cause I don't understand it, but they do a weird over push of Sheamus every three to four years. It feels like right. And also I, I just don't buy into this Apollo Crews shorty G team not team thing going any further than television i don't think that's a mania thing so i think they could use this to set that up look there's this might stay on paper but there could be a lot of changes and we'll get into that when we get into the women's um chamber match um next matchup united states title match andrade taking on umberto carrillo i am going to say andrade retains yeah, I think that's the easiest call to make here. I just, I, <laughs> poor Umberto Carrillo. He's having these great matches, but now everybody's just like, oh, he's the foreign kid. We're not gonna, we're not gonna root for him. He, he do yeah. All of these dudes. guys are on the telenovela. It feels yeah. like yeah, we've seen these. They have their own little micro show um, with Zelina Vega here, where you've got this five person cast and. It's I, Rey Mysterio also has his kids, so you got Dominic. Like they have a little. 
mini roster, mini network, and it seems like they just can't ever break away from each other, and it does feel like a bit of typecasting. Alistair Black takes on AJ Styles in a no-disqualification match. I'm looking forward to this match. I think this match is going to be really fun. I I like when AJ Styles has an opponent that he can really sink his teeth into. I think that Styles is going to find a way to prevail over Alistair Black. I think this is going to be overbooked. I think the OC is going to run in. Because it's a no disqualification match, we got to hammer right. that. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right, right. No, no. I, I think that's exactly what happens. Um, I, or, or, or this is we're moving Alistair up the card, and he ultimately ends up prevailing against every member of the OC. But yeah, no, I'm with you. It's going to be the overbooked no disqualification match. I wonder because since AJ Styles is going up against the Undertaker at Mania. Everything about WWE booking says Aleister Black should get the win over AJ Styles here because AJ won after the after basically a three on one beatdown prior to this. Can they get away? Well, maybe that's how they do it. The Undertaker comes down, takes out the OC. Aleister Black, being a Prince of Darkness type character, right, right, beats right. AJ. So Undertaker makes go. the save on Alistair Black yeah. after the OC is beating down Alistair Black. This also allows Black to get some of his momentum back as the guy who's friends with the Undertaker. And AJ's looking for revenge. There you go. Right, Alistair Black. Yeah. yeah, I think we figured that one out. Um, rematch for the tag team titles on Raw: The Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins and Montez. Put the rocket to him already. Ford versus Seth Rollins, and don't call me Buddy Murphy. I think Rollins and Murphy get the belts back. Do you? I don't After think, yeah, I do. No, I, I think so. Yeah, I, I think it's the Street Profits get a taste of greatness, and then they're chasing it again. Put them back on the chase. I don't. I think they pivot away from Rollins and Murphy, and they go with the AOC chasing the Street Profits. So that's the AOP, my friend. What did I say? The AOC. You said the <laughs> AOC. <laughs> Alexandria Ocasio Cortez will be going after the tag. Multiple titles. of them. <laughs> oh my goodness, we we don't need more than one. Um, yeah, that's a that's a faux pas on Hawkins's part. Uh, mark for edit. Street Profits, I think, <laughs> will 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 win this match. I I, I just think I think uh, the authors of pain needs to be something other than goons, and I think that's going to be the tag team match. No, I agree. I think ultimately they need to be moved up. But I also like the idea of Rollins and Murphy holding onto these tag belts in this faction with the obviously better tag team being held as the loyal foot soldiers and how long can the two small guys keep the leash on this obviously better team no I, I like that as a story as well so I would not hold that um I would not hold that against them if they if they pivoted to that um for the Intercontinental title Formerly the worker's title, Chris, a prestigious belt in WWE canon. Well, it is the worker's title. You got four workers in this match. Braun Strowman versus Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro, and Sami Zayn. Oh, four-way dance. No, one on three. Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) So who are the teams? Braun Strowman takes on Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro, and Sami Zayn, who are a stable now. No, I, I know that. I, I'm just okay. being a jerk here at this point. That's quite all right. Uh, I think the stable finds a way to win the title, and then we move into Vince's instincts of three guys fighting over one belt. Who's the Intercontinental Champion this week? 
to build to a ladder match at WrestleMania to determine who really is the Intercontinental Champion. They're going to kill Sammy again. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I can see shenanigans here and switching the belt off. I, I just, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know what the hell they're doing with Braun Strowman these days. I think they want to get him a big Mania win. So having him win a mid-card belt at WrestleMania is the best way to do that. And in order to win a mid-card belt, they have to get a mid-card belt off of him. For the SmackDown Tag Team titles and Elimination Chamber match, The Miz and John Morrison, your champs for the last week after Saudi Arabia, taking on The New Day, taking on The Usos, taking on Heavy Machinery, The Lucha House Party, and Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode. I think The Miz and Morrison retain here. I'm going to go another way. I think okay. I think they took the belts off the New Day on purpose because I think they're go- I think this is what I think they're going to think I think they're going to do because SmackDown they got to pay off this Otis story eventually. I think Rue and Ziggler win the titles here because they are the last they're yeah. the last ones in the pod. And I think we're going mm. full. I think we're going full George the Animal Steel story with Otis and Mandy Rose. I think. I think Heavy Machinery should be getting the title at some point, but I think they're going to be coronated at Mania. I think Rude screws them here somehow. Rude and Ziggler. I think we then get the next three or four weeks of melodrama with Mandy Rose really being in love with Ziggler, and Ziggler eventually kind of becoming cold on Mandy Rose. Then something happens where she tries to interfere and Ziggler gets mad and Otis eventually saves her. They win the titles and and they get the girl. girl. That's exactly what I'm thinking here. Uh, No, I think you're totally right. I I think that maybe another variation of that is they don't win the titles, but they do win the girl and that's what really matters. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, this feels like this feels like a story that Vince McMahon wants to tell. So I'm going to go with that. Yeah, absolutely. And finally right. <laughs> to face God help us it, 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 try and find a picture of Becky Lynch on Monday. She's wearing this ridiculous yellow fur coat that looks like she killed a cartoon dog. She's wearing those deal with its sunglasses and she's wearing Jerry, the, Jerry, one of Jerry the King Lawler's more gaudy crowns. And she's doing the entire cocky Becky shtick. It is, it is ridiculous. It is not babyface. It's almost like Baron Corbin is on two different shows. That's how ridiculous it is. Um, the Elimination Chamber match for the women's championship or a shot at the women's championship. Natalia takes on Liv Morgan. Takes on Shayna Baszler, takes on Asuka, takes on Ruby Riot, takes on Sarah Logan. A little bit of news and rumor being reported by way of the Wrestling Observer is that Vince McMahon was not happy with the Shayna Baszler Kyrie Sane match on Raw, thinking that Kyrie, not Kyrie Sane, thinking that Shayna Baszler is not coming off as a headliner for a WrestleMania style character. I more blame that on biting someone in the neck, but that's just me. It's not like NXT didn't build up the hell out of Shayna Baszler as their most this dominant so women's easy. champion. so easy. Yeah. You have her come out 
for a month and demolish some local talent and like be brutal to them like to the point where it's almost uncomfortable for the audience and and then have a baby face come down make the save and then Shayna Baszler destroys her and keeps destroying people until she's moved all the way up to the card to where she's a mania threat this is something you can do over 12 weeks very easily yeah, you don't have her come out and take out the champ and go, oh, I'm going into the elimination chamber because it's already a foregone conclusion. Then you you have her out there on the on the on the outskirts, building up a resume to earn a way into the chamber, and then you pull the trigger on it as a surprise entrant or whatever. I liked the contract signing last week. I thought that was a good thing, but they just hadn't built up Shayna properly. Chris, I'm going to give you a prop bet here. What is the percentage chance that this is the lineup of the Elimination Chamber when the bell rings? For the women's match? I, I mean, Asuka can't go, no, Asuka, right? So Asuka they have will be to cleared ch- by this time, I think. She will be cleared by this, but um, I don't know. I could see one of these members of the Riot Squad not being in the cage here and having a surprise I, entrant. Even Natalia feels fungible. Yeah, I, I get the feeling one of these women is being taken out either by the combination of Bailey and Sasha so one of them can go in, or possibly by Nia Jax, because Nia Jax is cleared and ready to come back, I believe. Um, or she's, or they're just waiting to do something with her. I don't know if she's officially cleared, cleared, but I've heard that she is ready to come back. Uh what are the odds that someone other than Shayna Baszler wins this and it kind of becomes a de facto money in the bank where Shayna eventually defeats her for the chance to beat Becky? That would be interesting. I would love Asuka to actually get that win to kind of keep it her feels hot and rolling like that. along. It but... feels like they're going to give this to somebody not Shayna Baszler so that Shayna Baszler can take that person out and get that heat back. That is what I am thinking here. Or... Nia Jax would be really interesting to do that mm-hmm. with. So you have Shayna Baszler going up against Nia Jax, and it's kind of like, how's she going to do it? And it's heel versus heel. Shayna's working as the underdog heel, kind of like Tomohiro Ishii. Oh, no. To a if, if Nia extent. is in this match, Shayna is going to be. Shayna, they, they've lost faith in Shayna after two weeks. There's no way they do that, I don't think. That's true, too. You know, you're right. That's very contra to their booking instincts. I'm throwing that more out as a hypothetical. I'm not thinking about how they think about it. Uh, you know, so pick a winner here. After all those scenarios and prop bets, who do you think wins this? I think Shayna Baszler wins this. I know you're saying Vince is cooled on her, but it feels like these plans are made. And yeah, he's cooled on her, but... I also don't think they have tons and tons of faith in Nia to deliver a Mania match, especially after this time off. I'm going to go with somehow Becky ends up costing Shayna the victory. And I think Asuka wins this. And I think Shayna takes out Asuka on Monday. I, I don't think it matters who wins this Elimination Chamber for the Mania match. I think... I think since they already had Shayna Baszler take out Kyrie Sane, it's a natural story now that Asuka and Shayna have a bit of a heat after the contract signing. Asuka somehow finds a way to blow mist in Shayna's face, maybe, too. That's a possibility. And then Shayna just comes out and kills her on Monday night. So I'm going to say Asuka. It's going to yeah. be I, I, my... I still think it's 80% Shayna Baszler. I think, they, I think they're more straight ahead than you'd think. 
But there's that nagging part of me that thinks they just have the swerve here and they rectify it on Monday. Yeah, no, I, I see where you're going with that. Sure. So we, we tapped into a little bit of NXT. Anything on NXT or NXT UK that really stood out to you this week? Uh, let's talk a little bit about NXT UK before pivoting into the U.S. Um, Alexander Wolf, Travis Banks, nothing to it. Rich Holland versus Saxon Huxley. Love the Rich Holland push that they're doing, that they're giving him some serious star power. But I also want to say I'm enjoying this thing they're doing with Saxon Huxley, where they're letting him get a little bit more credibility in these losses, all of the Sid Scala build that you and I were kind of fond of that they never Yeah, almost the off. Jack Stars build also. Yes, and the Jack yeah, Stars I'm, build. I'm, yes. I'm warming up to Saxton. I am. I'm. I'm. I'm still not, still not super fan of Saxon Huxley, but he's growing on me, and I love Rid. Yeah. No, I like the big, stiff, like clothesline lariat boot. I like those kind of guys. I, if you can do that convincingly, it also not hurt the person you're working with too much. I'm a big fan of that style. I think they have wrestling. something with Ridge Holland here. I think. I think they I need agree. to push him to the moon. I think they need to get him on American television and give him some squashes. I. I you and I thought that when he yeah. was Luke Menzies, though. This guy's always yeah. had a thing. And and he, I believe he comes from rugby or soccer. I can't remember which. Yes, I think that's right. I think it's rugby. And just has that natural toughness, but is also just looks like a million bucks. I mean, he looks like a baby Brock out there. And and those guys get my attention. I would, I would have him on the main NXT show killing. <laughs> Who do I want him to kill? I want him to kill, uh, oh, uh, Fokata. What, what, what's his, uh, name? Hawaiian kid. Oh, um, oh God. What's his name? Now you're, you're killing me. Uh, the, he's the yeah, best. He's Kota all Reeves. the best. Uh, I want him to kill Kota Kota Reeves. Reeves. I want, I want Kota Reeves head propped on, uh, propped on Ridge Holland's wall mounted like, like, like a trophy that he has hunted. Uh, that's what I would like. If I had my druthers. Uh, speaking of, uh, big guys who can kick and stuff like that, man, there's a lot of meat being flown around in that, uh, Walter versus Dave Mastiff match. Yes. A bit of a foregone conclusion to the match. And so it lacked a certain degree of narrative heft, but it did not lack for work in the ring. Boy, that was a fun match and for what it was. as fun as that was. <laughs> Valkyrie versus Isla Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the opposite, the opposite direction. I, I got Aifa Valkyrie or Aoife Valkyrie. I don't get it. Like I don't get her match style it. as compared I, I to her just, name. I, she's good. Don't get me wrong. She's not. Yes, she is good. But the whole Valkyrie yeah. thing it creates in your brain a certain style of wrestling that is swift and strong and and valkyries are big and i i picture big roaring elbows and roaring knees and ifa valkyries in there doing oh catches catch can yes. roll around yes. you willy yes. doos it's, yeah it's my problem with big men doing these dumb things too is i don't want to see catches catch can and and you know <laughs> octopus rolls from big guys i want to see them slapping the hell out of each other that's what i want yeah, and I, I still, I, I hate her finisher. I think she's going to hyperextend her, her knee one day doing that thing. The axe kick yeah, off the absolutely. top. And Isla Dawn's also just totally yeah, dead yeah, as a Isla, character, too. The, there's yeah, no crowd connection with her. 
she's 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 a catchphrase the witch of nxt uk or whatever it is and you're just like yeah okay whatever uh was there was there another match that i'm missing here no that was all of it that was all of it other than a pretty cool little nxt uk has a big diverse tag team that was package, good so i think at some point there's going to be more emphasis of tag team wrestling on NXT UK, which I'm excited about because the NXT UK tag team match style is one of my favorite WWE NXT, tag team match styles because that NXT one's a little and more NXT open. UK are great tag team territories. I, I love these are the things that keep me going on these two brands for the most part. I'll tell you what was great that, that we did not have not commented on yet. The Eddie Dennis promo was fantastic. Yes, this, this is the is promo we, we wanted, wanted a year, year and a half exactly. ago from this, this guy. This is exactly what we want. It's almost like they went back to shake them ropes, and they're a year and a half behind. So, guys, you know, catch up a bit here, because we had some great ideas for Eddie Dennis. Uh, <laughs> yes, this is exactly what we wanted. The, 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 the former schoolmaster with the advanced degree, who's the cerebral guy who's, you know, who's... Not a Not wagon. A wagon. Uh, <laughs> giving up everything for wrestling. You're just like, yes, there you go. There's the character, kids. Why did it take this long? I, I, I could not. I watched that. I immediately thought that's what we've been wanting this entire time. Thank you. It's so straightforward. He's just angry. He thinks he's better than everyone. He thinks the appropriate place for him is in a seat of power, controlling other people, and he looks as everyone else as children. Pivoting to the U.S. show by way of the U.K. show, I am absolutely here for the grizzled young veterans being the jerk heels that don't even like other heels. Yes. No, they're great. I I think they're going to be nuclear heat here relatively quickly. And I think you got to get the tag belts on them. I think they need to be making hatred flow on them for an entire segment. You don't really care about your little rematch. Just talking down to fish and O'Reilly, which I loved. I loved it. I loved it. I loved the beat down. I think, (laughs) I mean, no, I think they need to win the titles in a three-way match. I think that's happening. I think that's what's happening at, at Tampa. Yes, I think that's what has to happen. I, I, think, I think that's I think, what has I think, to happen. Uh, I think you have your, your rematch next week, and somehow the Grizzled Young Vets get involved in it somehow. And, now, and then both teams go, okay, give us this team, and they're going to go to town on them. And I'm, I'm happy to see. I, I, I just think Gibson – Keep having Gibson cut promos on this on this full sale crowd because because I want it in my veins. I, I absolutely love it. Just the the, the disaffected neck beards and I'm just like yes yes hammer them king hammer them my king. Yeah, he's such a strong promo. He's as strong as any promo in wrestling then, right now. The Gargano promo. Your thoughts. The Gargano promo was annoying after a certain point. I cannot believe that they are going back to the strangely obsessed Johnny Gargano versus maybe cold calculating introspective Johnny Gargano here. I would have liked him to have actually gotten into not quite physicality, but a real yelling match with Moro. I would have liked Moro to actually like 
lose his he's school off, back on Johnny. He's off of TV Johnny, for three weeks, then, Chris. <laughs> I just, I, I get that. No, I, 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 I know, I know his personal narrative and background too. But I, I think that the way Johnny yeah. was going at Moro, I, I, I think it, it became weird. It and it didn't builds to a thing where I left really feeling like I understood it. Because he could have never said it directly, and that would have been fine if you could have gotten yeah, Mar- it implicitly. Mar- was a bit, but I don't Mar- feel was like a bit you Joe get Galley it implicitly. Here, in my opinion. He wasn't really buying into the uh buying into the Gargano yelling at him thing I'm a journalist, you know, kind of thing, as opposed to being a human being who's getting screamed at by a maniac. Yeah, or someone who yeah. is kind of friends yeah. with this guy going, Johnny, yes. I've known you for years, man. What is going on with you right now? What is in your head right now? I don't understand why you're doing any of this. You told me that you came to the showing of my movie or whatever the hell it is that he said. He needs to be trying to actually reach Johnny and getting frustrated and get angry from being pushed away by Johnny because he's still trying to connect with his friend rather than doing, as you said, the Joe Galley, I'm just trying to do journalism. You're you're abridging freedom of the press here, sir. No, that I was think the wrong right. the, disposition. The, uh, intervention way would be the way to go. Like I'm I'm a journalist, but I'm also your friend, and I'm crossing that line. Yes, this is more. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is more than just about wrestling, Johnny. What's wrong with we you? We saw dude? you go to that dark place before, and we don't want you to go back there again. You know, even play into the fact that he yes. was a jerk heel before and a horrible, horrible character. Which, <laughs> which we're just gonna redo that, I guess. Um, Austin Theory beats Swerve Scott. They have big designs for Austin Theory. They like this guy. I and I see why they like this guy. It's just it's interesting. I I think maybe I was wrong when I said I didn't see him as NXT champion material. I, I think, I think Swerve maybe Scott's they do. The wrong guy to beat. I think Swerve Scott has potential and I agree should be rocketed right no, now. No, people like Swerve. Yes, I agree. It's it's tough in that mid card though to get some of these guys to a place where they have. A place to shine so long as you have Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era occupying that top slot. Also, Swerve has had his match against yeah, Adam Cole. Yeah, I, I liked the match, though. I, I really... I, I did like the match. Saw, yeah, no, the match was saw good. saw an Evolve. Really, it, that, this is... God, Vince doesn't look at him and go, well, he seems to be losing his hair. Um, he'll <laughs> be fine. I... I uh, I mean, he looks like a million bucks, so I, I could see WWE seeing a lot in him, and I can't blame them for that. Um, something else I have turned on, I am all in on Chelsea Green's entrance. I absolutely love the panning of the camera on the Titan Tron to make her look larger than life. I think that's awesome. I didn't think this match was anything, but I thought I thought the entrance, at least, it's like, I love the presentation of her. I kind of like Robert Stone's serious yet not serious backing. I don't know if I don't know what's what's missing there. Um, I think he comes off as a great douche because of the shoe choice. <laughs> yes, the does he does the shoe yeah, with no like socks thing shoes, too, right? <laughs> or there's slippers. Oh, okay, or something, all right, that's interesting. The entrance is great. I you know Chelsea Green in a. Uh, and the latter match is going to be um, fun. 
Uh, but, but I liked, I liked, I liked the way they shoot her entrance. Now I like that whole scanning up the Titan, trying to make her seem like she's 20 feet tall. I, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. I like the missile drop kick. I like using that as a heel to set up the, uh, yes. I'm I think pretty, that's a good name. She too. calls it. Yes. Uh, was I agree. there anything Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox that you wanted to recap on? No, I, I thought it was a good they match. Kill each other. I mean, it's you know, great. if anything, yeah, they kill each other, right? Yeah, they the drop off with Shotzi Blackhearts, where you kind of feel that it's like you go from you go from Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox just mauling each other to this very kind of not stiff, super well coordinated match between Chelsea Green and Shotzi Blackheart. It wasn't that match between uh, Big Swole and Leva Bates, which kind of won the award for worst match on either one of these two shows here this week, but this is a uh, close watch the Statlander Nyla Rose match on the pay-per-view. That wasn't anything to write home about either. Um, yeah, I, okay. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there, there weren't, there were a lot of nominees. Unfortunately, rest, women's wrestling had a bad week for the most part. Cause I mean, Dana Brooks drop kicks on SmackDown were, were, were dreadful. She, they're doing the one legged drop kick thing again. Which is driving me nuts. It's driving oh, me absolutely boy. nuts. Um, oh no! Yeah, and Shotzi's Shotzi has a tank. She has a tank, and she has green hair, and people like that. But at a certain point, she's going to need to be able to work a match that's longer than five minutes, and I'm not seeing clumsy. that with her right um, now. Right, God, right. I get some emails about that one. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I liked Cameron Grimes this week a lot. I think, I think he's, he's gotten the, uh, gotten the attitude part to mix with the character. Yeah, I agree. I I like his relationship with the crowd as a heel. We're like, he'll be like, Oh, don't be mean to me guys. Be nice. It's very, don't be be a jerk. PWG run. Where he's playing, he's playing TNA superstar Trevor Lee. Um, just you know the hands on the hips, you know, kind of like the Iconics pose. Uh, I mean, he's just he, he's just a a great. <laughs> how do I put this? I, I want to call him white trash with money, but I think that's not quite there. But it's almost there in terms of what his character is. He's kind of the he, he's he's the sophisticated redneck coming in there and trying to, you know, trying to be charming and stuff, but he doesn't quite pull it off in terms of the looks department. And then Keith Lee just kills him. I love this segment. Yeah, no, I enjoy this segment. I, I like where this story's going. And I think it, they have found a good platform for Keith Lee here with the North American title. So I, I don't have a problem with him being the North American champion right now at all. I think that it gives Cameron Grimes and uh, who's the archer of infamy. What's his name? Damien Priest. Uh, I think it gives them a good character to work against. Chris, it sounds like there's like a cat crawling all over your microphone. There we go. You there? Okay, there you go. No, yeah, no, the, I'm here. No, the second the half of that, the second half of your uh, of your monologue there was muffled by it sounded like either like clothing coming out, but I guess oh, your okay. phone got it, so you can edit this out. I'm sorry. Um, what else was... Oh, Roddy and uh, and uh, the Velveteen Dream, I guess, is the only match I'm missing here, unless I'm forgetting one. Was there like... 
Yeah, the next match here was Roddy and the Velveteen Dream. I liked this. I was just a little cage matched out after we opened up the show with the cage match. I get that in terms of production value. You'd rather have a cage match or do multiple cage matches, and then you don't have to erect a cage on two different nights here, but it did take a little bit of the steam out of it. Velveteen Dream's a great character. His matches are not always the best worked. I like the story, though, that they're telling with the Velveteen Dream and the Undisputed Era, and the crowd's very much on board with this. So I think that this was a successful segment, if not the greatest match. It's not going to get no, six I stars liked, anytime uh, soon. I like Marina coming out and helping Roddy. I think that, that I like it as well, this. yeah, um, I agree. Look, this was just, as we like to say, moving chess pieces to get to Adam Cole being trapped in the cage with Velveteen Dream. If you if you look at it like that, as opposed right. to was this a great cage match, you're fine because I think I think yeah, this is not about right. being a great fundamental cage match. This is yeah. about and setting I'm, up Adam Cole in the dream. I'm thinking that's what we're getting for Tampa. I'm good with that. Um, crowd will be hot for it. Crowd will be hot for Dream to get the belt. I think because he's been he's I mean. He might be the longest tenured trainee at the NXT Performance Center right now. Might be Tino. I think that's right. Might be Wesley Blake. Might be Steve Cutler. It's one of those four. I was asking this the other day, and they all seem to come around around the same time. But I know that uh, Clark's been there for a long time. So um, they they could build this up to the point where we have to see Dream win this title. I don't know if they're going to. I don't know. Like, I could see Dream doing, like, the couch vignettes and, like, making allusions to dentistry to really troll Adam Cole. Um, You know, his girlfriend's a dentist, right? (laughs) I've heard that Britt Baker is a dentist. And, and, And I'll tell you, the Britt Baker heel gimmick, it's better than her baby face gimmick, but... That's not saying a ton, and this heel gimmick kind of loses momentum on commentary <laughs> after about the three-minute mark or so trolling. every single yeah. week. She comes out, she has her Starbucks joke with Tony Schiavone, and then she goes but, back uh, to overall, the struggle. You know, it, it, there's no meh stuff this week. It's either very good or just, what are you doing? So if you're going to go back and watch some things, I would suggest the AEW pay-per-view first and foremost. And then I would look for um, that, that, uh, that tag match on raw was really good. But uh, other than that, it's going to wrap it up for us. Enjoy your elimination chamber. We'll be back to uh, talk about what they actually ended up doing. I'm Jeff Hawkins. You can follow me at crap game 13. He is Chris Novembrino. You can follow him at Chris Novembrino. And he also uh, does other podcasts on other subjects other than wrestling. Don't worry about the government is celebrating our 450th episode here. The new episode will be out here over the weekend. There are a lot of new All in the Family episodes that are rolling their way out onto your podcast feeds now. I talked about them for months, but they're finally here. So go and catch up with those. You can find me at Chris Novembrino. You can find Don't Worry About the Government at DWATG. Don't Worry.TV on iTunes and Stitcher. The All in the Family podcast is located at allinthefamilypodcast.com. Rate, review, subscribe, share, love each other as you would love yourself. And if you don't love yourself, (laughs) try harder. Um, I am possibly going to drop the 
Beyond the Mat episode that we did for Patreon because that's now on Netflix. Oh, you couldn't. You wouldn't. You or shouldn't. You, you will. If you want to pay a, if you want to pay no, a no, buck, do it. No, no, do it. I mean, but, but if you it. like it, if you want to sub up and support the show here, uh, you know, as we're you know, doing our thing, um, or as I'm wrapping up doing our thing here, that'd be cool. You know, a little, little love in the Patreon is always okay. welcome. I but have your yeah, permission we're to just do that. Then? Okay, I, I love okay. that show. No, yeah, you totally do. I that was, I mean. That was one of my favorite podcasts that I have done of any of the three shows uh, I, I, in the last couple of years here. Um, I mean, I, there were some really good Don't Worries and some really good All in the Family episodes too, but uh, that was far and away my favorite episode of Shake Them Ropes, and we spent a lot of time and energy and effort into producing that one and making it really good and cool and really get you behind the scenes so that you can really sink your teeth into I think the I might Kaufman and Lawler feud. Maybe midweek, we'll see. I think may have to deal with rich and some of the ad stuff but uh yeah if you want to hear it let us know uh at chris Novembruno at crap game 13 we'll see you next week